Okay. We are in Luke chapter 10, if you've got a Bible. And um, last week, uh, we looked at the first half of uh, Jesus sending out the 72. And this week, we're going to do the second half. So we're going to pick it up um, from verse 17. But we won't do that yet. When you've got it, you can just rest it. And we'll read it in a minute. Um, In this passage, um, Jesus talks about what you should be rejoicing in. And um, all over the world, there's been different projects on happiness. How can you get happy? Um, And scientists have been trying to find the secret of happiness. They're saying, this people group, they're happier than these people group. And this job is these people generally happy than these people. And they're trying to find the secret of happiness. Because if you ask people generally on the streets, uh, what do you want out of life? Most people will say, I just want to be happy. I want to be happy. Okay, they might talk about family and friends, but most of the time they'll just say, I want to be happy. And I was thinking about um, happiness. I thought, well, okay, what are the kind of key points in my life where I've been really, really happy? And I thought, well, definitely as I was coming down the aisle to Rob, it was a really happy moment. Um, I can definitely still feel it now. I was so ridiculously emotional and pathetic in every way possible as a bride, sobbing down the aisle, um, totally out of character for me, and there I was, but I was really happy. Uh, The second one, of course, got to be, you know, being pregnant, oh wow, and I think both those times I was just so gobsmacked that God could be that good to me. And those are really the times where you think, I'm just so happy, actually I don't know what to do with myself. So I wonder about you, okay, to have a little think. What have been your happiest moments of life? A little think. Okay, you don't have to share. But I was thinking, even in these happiest moments, they are, seriously, they are the highlights, aren't they? We know that life has ups and downs, and you might be in an up at the moment, or you might be in a very, very down. But Jesus in this passage, he's talking about joy, a different type of joy, a joy that comes even in the saddest of moments. So you can be on a high, you can be on a low, but there's still something to rejoice in. So that's what we're going to be checking out today. So let's read the scripture. Um, I'm reading from the NIV, and it's the new NIV, and it's slightly different to the one you've got in front of you, so you have to forgive me. Okay. It says, The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned 
and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son, who the Son is, except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Okay, so there's our text. There's our happy picture. (laughs) I liked it. (laughs) Okay, so a bit of a background if you haven't been with us. Um, Jesus, in this uh, biography written by Luke, he's uh, well into his time of teaching and miracles and all that sort of stuff, and he's heading on his way to Jerusalem. Now, he knows that when he gets there, he is going to be hung, nailed on a cross. He's going to be flogged. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be rejected. His friends are going to abandon him. He knows that he's going to be totally alone when he gets there. And earlier we read that he'd set his face. That means he determined to go. There was nothing going to stop him, even though he knew what was going to happen. So this is where he's heading. And during the journey, he's totally aware of what is coming, but he's still visiting villagers, he's still healing people, and he's still teaching them what it is to have God as king in their lives. And you probably know uh, that Jesus told Jews 12 close friends, we call them disciples, and we see them in paintings and sometimes on stained glass windows. But they weren't his only followers. Thousands of people came to listen to him. Hundreds of people wanted to follow him. But here we have an incident where he sends 72 of his like representatives, ambassadors we might call them. He's already sent out his 12 close buddies. But this time he sends out 72 of them to go And wherever they go, they tell that village that the kingdom is coming. They have to be ready for the king. And when they get there, if the people accept them, then they're able to do stuff like heal them, uh, deliver them from demons. They tell them that kingdom is coming. And they say stuff like, you know, in Jesus' name, get up. And they do. And this is uh, the passage as an account of what happened when they got back. Okay, when they were back together and sharing the stories of what had happened. So it says that they returned with joy. Okay, they were rejoicing. So I just want you to imagine for a minute the stir. Okay, there's 72 of them. So it's not little. Let's just take this middle aisle. There you are. You can be the 72. And um, <clears throat> they, they come in, backpackers, back to base camp, and they're going crazy telling the stories of what's happened. Now, I want you to think of the most amazing thing that you've seen God do. 
Okay, just think of it. We've all got something in our minds, something that we've seen God do. And imagine you've just come back. You've not told anyone. You've just come back and you're massively sharing. This has happened. This woman, I prayed for her. Her leg was broken. She got up. This man, he was suffering from asthma. Prayed for him. He was healed. This little girl, she was dying. We didn't know what was wrong with her. Prayed for her. She got up. Healed. Totally. And even the demons obeyed us. Even the demons was not expecting that. This is so cool. (laughs) So they are going absolutely crazy. They're going nuts. Even stuff that no one would ever be able to do. No physician, no special diet, no exercise regime, no special bit of medicine here. Nothing would be able to heal them. Just a few words and it's gone. Think of the amazing amount of power that has been just displayed in these 72. Just get your head around that. 72 have been out, and wherever they go, in Jesus' name, it happens. You would have something to shout about, wouldn't you? But in the middle of this crazy kind of, that's nothing, let me tell you what happened, Jesus says these words, verse 18 and 19. He's listening to this and he just says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes, scorpions, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Bit odd. (laughs) Snakes, Satan, snakes, scorpions. What's all that about? (laughs) So he says here, I saw Satan fall. Okay, well, a couple of explanations. Firstly, think Old Testament. He's quoting scripture. So you've got this kind of rejection of God by the devil, um, previously an angel. He rejects God. He falls. He, and we've also got the Genesis imagery where the snake comes to tempt Eve. We've got all that going on. So Jesus is using language that represents the devil and demonic forces, snakes and scorpions. He's doing all that. He's also maybe hinting at his pre-existence, that he was there right at the beginning, before time, before the earth existed, he was there. I saw that happen. Secondly, it could be visionary. Remember, Jesus is often out and about and he knows what's happening in another village. Remember when he's going to heal people? He already knows what's going on. He's totally in control the whole time as he's walking. People want him to hurry, but he knows what's happening there. He knows. So it could be a sense of that, that he is seeing the devil's demise as they are casting out demons, as they are healing people. He is seeing Satan's kingdom fall and God's kingdom rising. And thirdly, could be prophetic, couldn't it? I saw Satan fall. In the very last book of the Bible, we see the devil falling, destroyed, finished forever. There is that sense of past, present, future, isn't there? Always where Jesus is teaching, he's got the past, the present, and future. It's almost like they're one. The future is almost as if it has already happened. It is so certain. 
So I guess we can take all of these together. Satan's kingdom is ending and God's kingdom is coming. Verse 18 also says, I have given you authority. Jesus is the one who has given them authority. And he gives us the same authority. The authority to overcome the devil. This only comes from God. And Jesus is saying, this authority that can only come from God to heal these people, that can only come from God to set these people free, is from me. I have given you authority. Could it be clearer? In our culture, we get lots of books written, don't we? They're a fantasy about various demonic forces. You can pick them up in the fantasy section. I actually really like fantasy books. I do. I read loads of them about other worlds and different things. But I know that they're just a story. I know they are. I'm not silly. You know, when I read about this person doing this and it's in a different world, I think, great, that's nice. It's my imagination. It's interesting. But as Christians, we need to be really careful that we don't put the devil in the same category that the world does of everything to do with anything spiritual. God, we've got the God delusion, haven't we? All of that gets put in that category of it's just a story. But we need to be careful that we don't put the devil in it's just a story. Because throughout the Bible, we see a huge amount of teaching on demonic forces. I know that as a team, when we were leading up to the 24-7 week of prayer, we prayed during that week, every hour, every day for one week. As a team who'd been involved in setting up that, we felt under attack. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. We could feel it. I didn't sleep for like three nights in a row. I felt so not quite sure what's going on. And I had to get up those nights and I had to pray and I had to focus on God and I had to think about who he was. And yes, in that, I did conduct some spiritual warfare too. I had to focus on what God said in his word about who he was and that he was Lord and that I had authority. And in that, I did pray, whatever is going on here, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And I was able to go back to bed. And I know that there's been times in my life where I have been absolutely fine and suddenly hit with the most dreadful depression you can ever imagine. And I've literally kind of put up with it for a day. And then I thought, hang on, this is a bit weird. This is not normal. And I've gone, I've found another Christian. I said, I need you to pray because I don't know what this is. And they've prayed and I've been absolutely fine. So I think, you know, when stuff happens in my life, I do a number of things. First, I, if, if, I'm, if I'm feeling that I'm not sleeping, well, I need to look, what's going on? Do I need to slow down? Do I need to repent of stuff that's happening? Uh, am I trying to do too much in my own strength? Am I too proud? Do I think that it's about me and not about God? But I also know that in those times, I'm quite vulnerable to spiritual attack. 
And I need to pray. I need to be aware of that. I need to ask others to pray for me too during those times. So we don't need to fixate on everything being of the devil and that must be him and that must be him and that must be him. There's practical things too we need to do. We are not just spirit, are we? We're body too. We need to look at what things, you know, if we're working too many hours and we're not sleeping, well, probably you're working too many hours. But we also need to be open to God to ask him, you know, is there something more going on here? And asking our friends to pray. So what's Jesus saying here? He says, I know the past, I know the present, I know the future. I've given you the power. Don't make rejoicing that the devil obeys you or demons submit to you. Don't make that your focus. Don't fixate on it. Don't end up with bedroom charts of end times everywhere and reading books. Don't go down that line. But be aware of it. You need to be aware that we do have an enemy. And the Bible says he prowls around like a devil, like a, like a lion waiting for someone to devour. So we've got to be aware too, haven't we? Otherwise, we're making the same mistake of just putting that in. Oh, that's just a story. And actually, that's not what we believe. So what should we rejoice in? Because they've been rejoicing in what's been going on, and especially that the demons obey them. Jesus says, rejoice rather that you're known by God. Rejoice that you are known by God. Verse 20. You're on a census. You have made the list. Maybe you never made any other list, but you made this list. Your name is down and you can come in. Last week, um, Rob and I went to Centre Parks. Our name was on that list months in advance. Right at the last second, we decided we'd take Cyanana with us. Now, there was no way they were getting in if their name wasn't on the list. We got their name on the list and in we went. Your name is on the list, even if it's in at the last minute. In the last book of the Bible, in Revelation tells us what happens at the end, we read these words from Jesus. This is important. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my father and his angels. This is something worth getting joyful about. The God of heaven and earth loves you. Your name is on the list. Nothing will change that. I once heard a story of a guy, uh, let's call him Stan, and he was at the graveside of a really elderly friend who died. And um, as they were all giving thanks and pray, praying f- um, for the great life of this guy, Stan stood up and he told the rest of them they needed to know Jesus. You need to know Jesus. Do you know him today? And as Stan got down and he sat down, he had a massive heart attack and he died. Graphic illustration, isn't it? You never know. But picture this. One minute, Stan is standing before mourners saying, this is Jesus. And the next second, Jesus is standing with Stan before the Father. He looks at the list and he says, Father, this is Stan. Great, isn't it? And later on, in Luke's biography... 
we read this from Jesus. Whoever acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will acknowledge before the angels and God. And this is why some of us, despite our sadness at the loss of Les, and we are sad and we've shed tears and I'm sure we're still deeply grieving, we can still rejoice that he is on Jesus' list. He is on Jesus' list. We know that Les loved Jesus. His face would light up when he talked about him. Coming into this building, he practically danced down the aisle. And we know that Jesus has been able to say, Dad, this is Les. Jesus says, rejoice rather that you are known by God. You are known by God. It's an unchanging fact, unchanging joy that we have even when life is rubbish. Even when we are in the depth of despair, Jesus says, rejoice, your name is on this list. You are known by God. Whether they've been written on this list years ago, months ago, weeks ago, In the last minute, your name is on this list. You are known by God. He loves you. He delights in you. And he welcomes you. You are secure and safe in him. And Jesus at this thought, he's so full of joy. He's so overwhelmed with joy bursting and bubbling out from him. He can't help it. He cries out, my father. There are lots of names for God, aren't there? But he says, dad, dad, I just want to praise you. I just want to give you great. I want to say I'm grateful. I am so grateful for all that you have done. And what is he grateful about? Well, he's grateful. He says that the wise and the educated people are not the ones that God necessarily shows himself to. He shows himself to the ordinary, to me and you, to the people who maybe don't have 10 PhDs. It's an encouragement to me. In fact, if you do, it won't help you. You need Jesus to reveal himself to you. The truth of who God is, of who Jesus is, what he desires, what he's like, can never be gained by any amount of debate. It has to be revealed. And the Bible tells us that. We need our eyes opening. My father has given me everything. And he is the only one who knows the Son. The only one who really knows the Father is the Son. But the Son wants to tell others about the Father so they can know him too. Who tells us? Who shows us? Who reveals it? Jesus. The only one who really knows the Father. We don't need to worry that Jesus might not show us or we're not good enough or I'm not clever enough or I've I've lived a really rubbish life or things aren't quite right or I've been rejecting him for a while and he wouldn't be interested in me anyway because I'm a nobody. He's totally interested 
And he wants others to know his father. That's why Jesus came. That's why he was here. That's why he shows himself. He says, see me, you've seen the father. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. That is Jesus's heart. As the father's desire is that some would come to know him. It's Jesus's desire that people would come to know him. He wants to tell others about him. Jesus makes that exclusive claim. He knows the Father. He knows the way. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. When we look at Jesus, we see God. When we see Jesus' compassion, when we see Jesus' kindness, when we see his love, when we see his care, we see God. The Son Sorry, the son wants to tell others about the father so they can know him too. The father is happy to do this. But as we look at Jesus and the father and the spirit and they're exploding in joy, we have to remember That Jesus here is teaching, not in a place where he is, everything is going great for him. He is heading to Jerusalem. He is heading to Jerusalem. And in the Bible, we know that God is fully aware of human tragedies. It records that God feels regret, sorrow. He feels anger towards injustice. But he still experiences vibrant joy, even in the mess. From where? From within himself. From the Father, the Spirit, and the Son together. That's where their joy comes from. In the situations that we struggle and we face, no matter how harsh it is, we can know that pain does not exclude joy. Pain does not exclude joy. For now, that is the case. We're not in heaven. Not everything is under God's rule. Stuff goes wrong. It's messy. It's hurtful. It's painful. Relationships and situations and things. But it doesn't exclude joy. Because Jesus says, I want you to know me. I invite you into that relationship with me. I want you to share in the joy that we know. It says Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit in him. This is where we get true joy. Through the Holy Spirit. From coming and saying, Father... I'm sorry, I didn't want to know you, but I want to know you now. Please come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to know this joy that you have. Finally, he huddles the disciples together. And he says, guys, prophets, kings, all the important people wanted to see what you're seeing. And you're seeing it now. You're seeing it. You're going to see that. They've seen Jesus do stuff that people long to see. They've seen the kingdom coming that people love to see. 
And when I finished writing this the other week, I walked home and it was raining and it was miserable. And I was thinking, oh, I'm not feeling the joy. <laughs> not feeling it. Started thinking about Christmas and worries and money. And then I got home and um, we just finished the week of prayer and I had a little letter from Leah. She's a little girl in our congregation. She wrote this. She said, this was about the prayer we had last week with 24-7. She said, the 24-7 prayer has inspired me to pray more. Before the 24-7 prayer, I only prayed before dinner and bedtime. When my mum brought me to the 24-7 prayer room and explained the various ways to spend time with God, I was excited about joining in and having fun whilst praying to Jesus. I've learned many ways to pray and I've been inspired to use these ideas for my quiet times at home. Thank you for organising the 24-7 prayer at Portswood. I very much enjoyed it. And you know what? There it was. I felt that joy. I was like, this is exciting. It's not always about me knowing that joy, but it's about others knowing that joy. And that's where Jesus bursts in, doesn't he? I praise you, Father. Dad, I want to give you, I just want to say how grateful I am that you haven't just revealed yourself to me, but you've revealed yourself to little children too to everyone. And that is Jesus's desire. If you don't yet know that joy, if you don't know Jesus, Jesus is just there. It's just a simple prayer. Jesus, I'm sorry that I haven't wanted to know you. I've gone and I've done my own thing and I'm sorry. I want to know you today. Please come and be with me. So let's pray together. And if you want to pray that prayer, then please join in. And say amen at the end. (coughs) Father, Dad, we thank you that you desperately love us. You so want us to know you. You've done everything you can to make that possible. We thank you, Jesus, that when we look at you, we see so much goodness and so much truth. We thank you that you've showed us who you are. And Father, we just say now that there have been times when we haven't wanted to know you, when we've done our own thing, when we've doubted that you exist. We say sorry for them now. And Jesus, we ask that you would make your Father known to us, that we would know you. Please come into our lives now. Fill us with that same joy as we receive your Holy Spirit to know that you love us, you delight in us, and our name is on your list. In Jesus' name, amen.